Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur with your host, Steve Kidd, third-generation minister and 30-year business coach. Listen in as amazing, world-changing authors, speakers, and coaches share their struggles and victories, and hear from best-selling authors' insight into how you, too, can live your life as a thriving entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur. Thank you for being here with us today. We appreciate you. We're so glad for the time that we get to be able to pour into your life on a weekly basis to help you thrive in your life and business. I hope that today finds you blessed and well, that um, you know maybe something exciting happened for you. I know what it's like. There are times that we go through that are tough. I mean, ooh. Just even thinking about some of them, you know, you can get emotional going back. And it doesn't have to necessarily be over the course of your whole life. You can look back to yesterday, last week, last month, and there can be some really difficult things that you've gone through, that you're going through. Um, and I get it. Um, you know, it's part of the human experience. But here is the great news. Number one, yesterday does not equal today. Um, and, and reason why that is is because you have the power of choice. And number two is today is a brand new day. Today is unique, different, and special from any other day that you've experienced. No matter what's happened in your past, no matter what yesterday, last week, last month, last year, maybe your whole life, no matter what it's looked like before, today is a blank slate. Even if, and, and let's take it another step further because I want to really address the people who are having a crappy today. Even if everything up until the moment that you've heard this has just been the pits it's been the worst ever. This moment is brand new and unique. And you have the power, the biggest power, the, the best one that I know of in the whole universe. And that's the power of choice. And you can choose now, today, right now, you can choose this moment to make a change, to turn around, to do things differently than what they had been done a minute ago even. Last week, last month, last year, any of that. You are in control. Now, a lot of times, I remember the first time, um, you know, and I have to be just really open with you. I, I like to do that anyway. Um, the first time I heard it was from a therapist. Um, it was when my parents were in counseling. Um, and uh, for whatever reason, <laughs> there's a whole long story in that. And I'm not going to take the whole show to talk to you about it. But um, the therapist felt like I needed to be brought into the situation and be talked to. Um, and so I was sharing with him, you know, it was just him and me. My parents had left the room and I was sharing with him some of the things that I was going through as a result of the difficulty that my parents were having between them. Um, now, for those of you that don't know, my parents are divorced now. 
Um, they made it 44 years, but then they decided that that was more than enough. Um, you know, but this was way back, okay? Um, you know, my parents' divorce was probably, well, I can tell you exactly. It was like 17 years ago, not quite yet, 16 and a half. Um, and, uh, you know, this was way back. This was when I was probably in ninth or 10th grade. So, you know, I'm 51 now. I'll let you do the math. I, I can't figure it out. It's 35 or 40 years ago, whatever. Um, and uh, I was sharing with him what I was dealing with in my life because of the situation. And um, I'll never forget his response to me because he told me that has nothing to do with you. And I was furious. Um, I, I think some of you can relate. <laughs> um, my parents' relationship at that point was not good. And I'm sorry, Mom and Dad, I'm, I'm not going to spill your, your stuff out there too much on the street, but um, it was to the point where it was affecting me um, right down to the level of not being able to get enough sleep at night because of um, the situation. There was not violence. There was no abuse, but um, they were definitely not happy with one another. Again, I, I'm not going to air their stuff, but um, it was having an impact on me, um, mentally and physically especially. Um, I have lots of memories of, of little to no sleep. Um, and I told the therapist he was crazy then. Um, a, a few years later, I was talking about that incident to a mentor of mine. You've possibly heard him here on the show. Dr. Donald Joy, he's my godfather, um, an amazing, amazing gentleman. Um, and he said, well, the therapist wasn't wrong, but he presented it to you wrong. Because their stuff cannot become your stuff. The things you're dealing with are, are real and true and valid. But whatever the other person is doing, even when they're doing it directly and specifically to you, you can't allow those things to become your stuff. You have an incredible power, and that power is choice. You can respond or you can react to the environment and the situation. Now, sometimes the only responses that we have is to extricate ourselves from the situation. And as children, that's even worse because we don't even really have that choice. Sometimes the best we can do is, um, you know, invest ourselves in school, be in after school activities and stay out of the environment as much as we can. Um, and that's about the only power that we have as children. Uh, and I get that. And I know some of you have been through much worse. Uh, so I don't want to minimize what you've been through. But I appreciate Dr. Joy having taken the time because it, it took some time. I just said it in a couple of minutes there. It took some time us working through it. Um, but he helped me understand how powerful this thing called choice is. How much power we have in our ability to be able to take whatever was, whether it's years of it or it was a moment of something bad that just happened. You know, you stub your toe. And we have the power of choice to be able to choose what we do going forward. Now, sometimes the choice we need to make is to deal with uh, possibly even be in the space of that thing that just happened. Um, I love the phrase, I'm trying to think what movie it was. 
Um, anyway, I love the phrase. I want to say it was Meg Ryan that said it um, in whatever movie it was. Maybe Harry Met Sally or something like that. Um, she said, swim in it until you get all pruney. And sometimes a situation that we've been through, we need to. We need to just really be in it, feel all the feelings, invest ourselves in all the things that are going on, um, you know, in order to be able to then come out from that. And uh, so I know that some of you that are listening, today's been a great day. And some of you that are listening today um, is going to be one of those days you remember for the rest of your life as to how bad it was, how bad it is. Um, But I want to go back to was because now is your moment of choice. And I bring this up because today I really want to share with you the power of your choices. I have two amazing international best-selling authors. Both of them are in our brand new uh, bestseller to boot camp course. Um, And it's a course designed to help you turn your bestseller into a course um, and make money from that. Um, It's a bestseller to, it's book to course boot camp is the official name of it. Um, And that is, like I said, turning your bestseller into a course. Um, And uh, they're the first two people that have joined into this program. Um, So not only are they international best-selling authors, but they've got some amazing things that they're going to be teaching you. Um, And the power behind their messages, as I was re-listening to them today as I was putting the show together, I was realizing the string of how powerful our choosing is. How powerful our ability to take what we have and choose to make our next step. Sometimes we can't change everything in the whole world, but we can choose our next step. And that step can be so powerful. It can lead us into something so much bigger than what we ever thought, what we ever even imagined could be. And then we begin to see, and you're going to hear it through the stories of these ladies, that, um, You know, life has its twists and its turns. And before you know it, you're in a place where you're now teaching people how to do something that you started out really working on yourself. And that's why it's so important for us to choose powerfully because as we make a choice to do something, sometimes in spite of, Sometimes because of, but we make the choice to do something that's going to be good for us. In that choice, what we discover is, is that doing for ourselves, and really it usually ends up being doing for somebody else, something that also makes us feel good. Um, Within that we begin to uncover, unravel, if you will, the things that have us bound up and begin to get into a place where we can really make an impact in the world. 
where we can find ourselves, um, you know, really looking at this thing that I was just gonna try, or maybe that I did because I needed the experience, can have such dramatic impact on the world. It's really fun to watch how God meets us and our destiny when we step up, when we look at the stuff in our own lives and we decide that in spite of that stuff, we're going to take a step. It doesn't have to be a big step. Sometimes those smallest of steps become the largest leaps. You know, it's like the uh, moon landing, um, you know, the Armstrong quote, one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. And sometimes that one small step in your life becomes a giant leap for the world because it leads you to a place where you can make an impact in the people around you's lives like you had no plan of, never imagined. But then when you go from that one step, you move into the future and you begin to look back at that one step. I've told you before about how literally in a book writing session where at the time we were just helping the people, um, they were talking, and I said to the person, this is a really amazing story. Would you like to hear it? And they were like, yeah, sure. And I made the step of going back to the notes that I then had at that point and writing them and reading them back to the person. And the amazing way that destiny stepped up and has altered the course of not only my life, but more importantly, the people who I've been able to help them take what often in the conversation is like, does this make any sense? And turn it into a book that is powerful and impactful. And if you will make the choice today, whether it's a good day or a bad day, to take that little step, to find that one thing you can do, to live the best you that you can live and really, truly, powerfully decide that regardless of what was, even a moment ago, that you are going to be powerful and impactful with your next step. That is the first step in being a thriving entrepreneur. We'll be right back. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. 
It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out, and find out how you can be a best-selling author today. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur. So in the first segment, I really wanted to encourage you today. I wanted to take some time out to let you know how powerful your next choice is. The next step you take in today, in your life, you know, sometimes we try to swallow the elephant all at once. And I really encourage you to not look at everything, but just look at that next step. Um, There are some people that I'm so excited that I've had in my life for a long time and they've really made a difference for me. And this next international best-selling author is somebody that Kathy and I have had um, in our life for a lot of years. We've helped her with her website. We hosted it for a long time. Um, She's really somebody that has made a difference in our life, in our business. Um, And she stepped one step for herself and has grown into a business. It was actually fun. I was working here at the computer while Kathy and her were having um, a strategy session. Kathy does amazing strategy sessions. If you ever want anybody to just up-level your business, you should check into having a strategy session with Kathy. It is mind-blowing. Over the course of about two hours of conversation, Kathy and this author, who I'll introduce to you in just a minute, discovered that within the things that she does, over the course of the next year, she can literally, just by taking that one step, the step of having done the strategy session and now acting on the things, she can make like half a million dollars this next year. How exciting is that? She helps people deal with money, and we loved the fact that we could help her find some money in the things that she's doing, too. So without further ado, I want to talk to this author and really help you see how her step impacted her life and what she can do to help you in the world of money and nonprofit. Everybody wants to get money, don't they? I mean, come on, seriously. But <laughs> as a nonprofit, often, uh, you know, it's harder. And, it, and sometimes it feels like it's getting a little harder these days than it used to be. So I am so excited to introduce to you a great friend. I'm going to tell you some inside secrets about her too today. Um, our good friend, Sandra. Sandra Mizzle-Cheney. Sandra, thanks so much for being here with us today. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, so your book is called Inside Secrets to Getting Money for Your Nonprofit, and I totally want to talk about that. But, um, you know, you've been in Kathy and I's life for a really long time, doing something that we don't get enough time to, to thank you for, but you've been a prayer warrior in our life and for our company for for a whole lot of years, and we really, really appreciate that. Well, thank you. It is my honor. I when I first you know met you guys, uh, it was an instant connection with me and Kathy. So I'm I'm excited that we stay, we stay connected all these years. And now you guys are helping me. 
<laughs> I love it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's talk about inside secrets to getting money for your nonprofit. Tell us a little bit about your background and why you are such an expert at this. So I um, have been in this field, nonprofit and grant field or world, if you will, um, for like 20 plus years. I started out in corporate America, um, working at some major organizations like IBM. Uh, and I was looking for something else because I was like bored. Like the corporate world was fine, but something was missing. I ended up volunteering at a nonprofit and it was a shelter for battered women. I started volunteering there and it went from volunteering to doing community education to becoming an employee there to working in their grants um, development department. And while in the midst of that, I discovered that those women had a similar story to mine in that I too um, uh, was a victim of domestic violence. I mean, I kind of knew it, but wasn't sure. And so I start, I cut my teeth. I always tell people I cut my teeth in the nonprofit world, starting um, finding out that I was a victim of domestic violence. And interestingly enough, because of my background and because of me um, getting connections in the community, especially in the faith-based community, they started asking me to help them write grants. And that was like in 2000, 2001. The next thing I know, someone submitted my name to a government agency to start reviewing grants on the federal level. So I've been a grant reviewer on the federal level since about 2001, 2002. So not only do I review grants, um, I've also written them you know, for nonprofits. I've, d- I've done trainings. Um, I've done fundraisers, you know, this nonprofit really helped me on many levels. They helped me personally because I began my, I began my healing there, but then I also began um, understanding the grant world and the nonprofit world at this one, one nonprofit. So a lot of times I know one of the biggest things that nonprofits, when they're starting out, struggle with is that they don't really understand the difference between funding a nonprofit versus just you know, go out and going out and selling some stuff like you would as a business. Can you kind of explain, uh, you know, what is the difference? What really helps to make a nonprofit make money? So the first thing you really have to understand um, before you can even start making money, you really have to understand why you, you, well, okay. So if you're a new nonprofit, if you're, if you're a new nonprofit, you have to understand why, what is the why behind this creation of this nonprofit? What is the why behind your programs? Because if you're not clear about your why, then your programming is going to be off, which is why you're not getting any money. Also, um, the funder, the funder and the donor, two different people, the funder who gives the grant money and the donor who, um, you know, gives a donation to you every month or every quarter or every year will clearly not understand what you're trying to do. So for a lot of nonprofits, you have to understand um, what, what's your mission and vision. I should be able to look at your mission and vision and from that mission statement, clearly understand what you're doing and, and want to give from a, um, a donor perspective. That's, that's where the fundraising comes in at because donors go to fundraisers, uh, which you should be doing. Um, and if I'm the grant reviewer reviewing your grant, I should understand from page one what your mission and vision 
So it has to be clear about your mission and vision. Therefore, I'm going to understand your program, which is also where the funding comes from, the grant funding. So when you're applying for funding, we're looking at your program. What is it that you're trying to do in that community? When you're doing a fundraiser, and we're not talking about selling chicken dinners, although people do that, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about doing a fundraiser where you're bringing in um, people, um, where you're recognizing your volunteers, where you're recognizing um, those who have donated to you, where you're doing a silent auction, those kind of things. And you're, it's a ticketed event and you're taking 50% of that and, and it's going towards your, found, your, 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 your programming. So it's two different things, but you should be doing both. That makes a lot of sense. Um, I know you've reviewed a lot of grants, both ones you've helped people create as well as ones that you've helped people decide that they should fund. What would you say, if you had to pick one, is the, the biggest thing that mistake that people make? Not reading the funding announcement. They don't read the funding announcement. All they see is this amount of money could help my program. And oh, I think I do that because it sounds similar to what you do. And when and then you go to write the grant and it's obvious to us as the reviewers that you have not read the funding announcement because your program that you are um, wanting to get funded, clearly you did not read the announcement because you didn't answer any of the objectives. It's not clear about who your uh, target, your target, like you always tell us, you know, or coaches will say, who's your ideal client? Well, it's the same thing when you're doing um, a nonprofit. Who's your client? Who's the target population? You don't have enough data. You didn't answer um, the approach section, which is asking how you're going to do this. It's not clear because you didn't read the funding announcement to see what particular questions that they're answering or that they're asking you. And so it is clear to us that you didn't read that. So that's the biggest thing. People thinking that they can um, fit their program into what the grant, uh, the federal officer or the, or, the, or the government agency is asking or even that foundation. You need to read what they're asking for to see if it aligns with your program. And that's the biggest thing that people do not do. They don't read to see if it aligns or if they have the right target population or, or, or if it's um, local to their community or it's just a national grant. Because sometimes funders are, it's not for every area, it's for a particular area. So you have to read what region are they funding. Is it everybody or is it a particular region? Not just because it seems to fit what you are doing. I can totally understand that on so many different levels. You know, as the third generation minister, I've, uh, you know, my life has been about raising funds one way or another. And, um, uh, you know, I think, I think it boils down to clarity. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> And Say I think again, clarity. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think a lot of times people they're so afraid that they're gonna exclude somebody that they don't really include anybody. Oh my god, yes. And we see that all the time. So so you're asking for this money, and then we go, so how are you going? So if let's just say it's a million dollars, right, that you're asking for, and then we see that you are including every race. The question to, to a reviewer is, well, how is that million, how are you going to take that million dollars and help every single person? Because we're asking for a target 
population. That means we're looking, especially in the local community, we're looking for you to target, you know, a specific community. Uh, we're looking for demographics on that, in that community. We're also looking for a specific area. So you have to narrow it down because the budget that you're asking for, the budget you put together has to align with what the programming and that population um, that, you, that you're trying to help and get funded. So we see that all the time that sometimes people are not clear about who their target population is. They're not clear about any demographics on them. They don't know, you know, um, if, you know, it's a single parent, you know, or it, are they, you know, black, you know, are they Asian, are they minority, like, you know, um, are they uneducated, none of that. that. All that stuff is necessary so that we understand who you're populated, because I don't, so you're in California, right? I'm living in Maryland. If, you, if I'm re reviewing your um, grant, I don't know anything about California or the population. So you have to make it such that I can visually see your population in California and wh whatever area that you are deciding that you want to um, um, help and, and, and have your nonprofit fund services for. You have to make it very clear to us. And sometimes it's not clarity. They don't have clarity. That's a good word. Mm, yeah. So thinking back to some of those very, very first grants that you did, you know, maybe, maybe even more basic than that, you know, the first time you were asking for donations and things like that. If you knew then what you know now, what would you have done right from the beginning different that you just didn't know and so you couldn't do back then? You mean in terms of writing the grant when I was asking yeah. for funding? Yeah, in, um, in for funding. For one thing, building relationships because funders like to see that you built a relationship and not just went out and go, Oh, I met Steve, Steve K at a networking event. Let me see if I can call him up right now because I need to have him on this grant proposal. Knowing nothing really about you except what I learned from you in that networking, but you seem to be a good fit. Relationships are very key in, in, um, in, uh, building uh, for, for program services and getting funding. It, it is key to have a relationship that you've built over time because funders want to see, because you can't, first of all, you can't do it by yourself. That's the one thing funders will say. Any nonprofit who really is worth their salt, uh, and, and this is not any uh, shade thrown at anybody because I know nonprofit work is very challenging, but they understand that you cannot do it by yourself. And so one of the things when I, when I started working at that uh, nonprofit, that shelter, is that they wanted me to help build with relationships. And so I would go out and just be like, okay, I met this person. They're going to be good for this. I met this person, so we got the money, right? We get the money only to find out that the relationship fell apart in the midst of us doing the programming after we got the money. So we're scrambling trying to find new people that we can partner with because we were trying to get some money, but the grant called for a partnership. And so we're out. And so I learned very early on that you have to build relationships and start. If you know that this is, if, if you know that you want to work with them, uh, women to heal them around domestic violence, start building relationships, you know, with maybe some of the shelters. If you are someone who is a teacher 
or a coach or a healer, you can go in and help these women start building those relationships now. If you are somebody that worked with youth and want to mentor, start building relationships with schools and things like that now so that when you're writing the grant, it seems like a seamless because they do ask for the history of the relationship. They asked for it. So that was the biggest thing um, because some relationships fell apart um, because people, money brings out some not so nice things in people. And so that was one major piece that I learned is you have to have relationship, but you should, you should stop building it now. Don't be the person who walks into the room and screams, Hey, I got a really great uh, thing here. Fund it. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, nobody would do that in regular public, but we do that so much on social media. We do, we do, we do. And, and, that, and that's not a good thing um, because then you end up getting what you really don't want. And, I, I'm a be, uh, and here's the other thing I'll, I will let um, you know is that I've also been privy and, and been around um, nonprofits that I worked with where their funding got pulled. In other words, the funder, the grant person, the... Um, the officer, the federal officer saw that they were not doing what they were supposed to be doing and they lost the grant in the middle of the process. Like, they, so, 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 you, so you won the grant and you're chugging along and things are just not going right. You just can't make it right with your partners and other people and the federal officer, the funders hearing this and they send in a technical assistant person to help you and it's still not working. They do it one more time. The third time they pull the money. You, so now you've lost the funding because you decided that you wanted to try to do it your way or the partners didn't work. So you don't want to go in and say, Hey, I need some money. Let me, can somebody help me? Um, whatever the, you you don't want to do it that way. You really, I help people do it the right way. The first time, the very first time so that you won't have those issues down the road. That is an amazing tip. Do it right. The first time. The book is called Inside Secrets to Getting Money for Your Nonprofit. It's with nonprofit strategist, Sandra Mitzels Cheney. She um, is just an amazing friend, a great source. If you have a nonprofit and you're looking to fund it, there is no one I know of, and I know a lot of people that are in the fundraising space, that can help you do it right the first time better. Sandra, thanks so much for spending some time with us today on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It was, I had a good time. I hope you caught that whole story. Sandra made a step. She went and volunteered at a place based out of some issues that she had had in her past to do something positive and impactful. And from that little step, this now amazing business has grown. Think about it in your life. I mean, now, number one, of course, if you have a nonprofit, Sandra is the person for you to go to. But if you don't, you can still look at what do I have in my life? And maybe what you will find is that by reaching out and helping others, somebody that's going through something you've been through or maybe even something you're still healing from, you may end up finding that thing that you can do to help the world too. And in the end, what we all find is that when we do the thing that we can do to impact the world, that is how we live as a thriving entrepreneur. We'll be right back. 
You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out, and find out how you can be a best-selling author today. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. I mentioned earlier that we have our book to course boot camp that we've unleashed on the world so that people can take their book, turn it into a course that makes them money. Um, and that the two authors that are on the show today are our first two that have signed up for it to turn their amazing international bestsellers into a book that can really make an impact on your life and really do some things in this world. And for this next author, um, we've had her on the show before. She's talked a little bit about her book, um, and it's amazing, an amazing book. But today, um, I really like what I'm doing because it's, it's fun, it's new, and it's kind of exciting for me. I'm actually, Pamela is also, you probably remember when I had all of the Platinum Book Tour authors on Pamela Garrison is one of them, and Pamela has a really powerful speech. I'm not going to give you away uh, until you hear it, the really cool things she learned, but she made a tiny, small step, and it has now grown into this powerful speech that if you listen to it, it could literally change your life today. So I encourage you, we're going to do it a little different. This isn't um, a full interview. This is actually her. She's going to talk to us for the next about 12 minutes and share with you her speech that she's actually practicing for our TED Talk that's going to be next year that she will be sharing um, in Harvard uh, and in New York here upcomingly and very soon many other places. I really wanted to bring this whole speech to you. And so I ask you to grab your pen and paper and take some notes because this is some powerful stuff that I know will inspire you to make that little move in your life and to live as a thriving entrepreneur. Hi, my name is Pamela Garrison. I'm an author, speaker, coach, and I'm also a mother of three. I am currently living my best life right now. I am living my dream. You know that thing that you've always wanted to do, that thing that you've always talked about, those things that you would do for free, even if you're not getting paid. But that's the season of the life that I'm in. And I am so happy in this zone 
as an international best-selling author, speaker, and coach. So let me tell you a little bit about myself. I've been on this journey for really only about two years. It wasn't always this way for me. It wasn't always this way. I ran across a lot of difficulties and obstacles in life, as I'm sure most of you can identify with. You know, life happens. Life happens to everybody, but we don't always respond the same. And in my case, I had to take a moment. I had to stop because in 2014, I was dealt some blows in life that I'm pretty sure was meant to make me quit, to give up, to sit down, to take a back seat. I'll give you a few highlights. In 2014, my 16-year-old marriage fell apart. That alone, most people don't recover from. On top of that, I was then diagnosed with colon cancer. Yeah, colon cancer. I was a stage one, so that was a blessing. We were able to get it all out. But I am convinced that during that process of colon cancer, it was anger that caused it. You see, I was very angry about my situation and I was very angry about the circumstances that I was in. In that year, my father would also get sick and I would be there when they diagnosed him with stage four lung cancer. Three months later, he would no longer be on this planet with us. Again, another stressful situation, another situation of life of which I got angry about. Three months after that, after I buried my father, then I would learn that my daughter would be diagnosed with AML acute myeloid leukemia. In a year and a half after that diagnosis, she would no longer be with me as well. So you see, life happened. And in that process, I tried to stay busy and keep my mind on different things. I became a real estate agent in that year. That was one of my positive accomplishments. But yet I would always talk to myself about why didn't you sell a house? So that thing to bring my own self down. So in this process and going through this crisis, it birthed for me one of the best things that I've done in my life, and that is to pick up my pen again and start writing. Identity Crisis, Rediscover You. That is the title of my international bestseller, Identity Crisis, Rediscover You. Because after all of these blows that I received in life, Again, I had to collect myself, say now, now what am I going to do? And what am I going to do with this anger? And then how do I get up? How do I get up again? How do I keep moving in spite of everything that's going on in life? And then I had to go back and rediscover and ask myself some tough questions. I had to do an assessment to go back and find out what my needs are. And what are those things that I like to do? Because you see, I spent many years trying to please and conform 
to what others wanted of me. But now, today, it's my time. And what I'd like to share with you is some of the amazing discoveries that I have made along the way. See, during this process, as I'm trying to calm myself to get over anger, I remember the story. I remember the time in my life that was very pivotal, transitional moment. I remembered this time. And during this time, I was having a family get together. I had all friends and family and children and everyone was coming over. You know that scene, the family get together. But you gotta remember, I'm the busy woman. So you know, the house gotta be perfect and I got to get everything right and I have to get everything correct because the family is coming. And it's funny now to look back on it because you know, as if your family don't know your dirt, but yet we still try to clean it up anyway. So the family is coming over and I'm running around, I'm trying to get everything perfect and I was angry. I was upset about something. Anxiety was all over me. And you know, I think it was my spouse then at the time and you know, we're having this barbecue and the grill is ready and you know, one of those little things, you know, like he forgot the barbecue sauce. You know, can you identify with that? The meat is coming off the grill and you don't have the sauce, the sauce is not ready. So I'm preoccupied with just trying to make everybody else comfortable. And I'm stressed out myself. And I didn't know it. I didn't even recognize it because I was so into it. I didn't even realize until one of my children came over and they couldn't open the bubbles. You know, when you have all the kids in the yard and you got the pool ready and everybody is out and running and having fun. And, and you know, I always get bubbles at these events because I love bubbles and I know how happy it makes the kids. And so here's this little person standing in front of me because they wanted me to blow bubbles so they can have that magic moment where the bubbles are flying through the air and they can chase after them and pop them. You know that joy and that laughter that a child gives when there's bubbles? Whoa, bubbles. Well, I wasn't feeling bubbles, but I wanted to make this baby happy. So I opened it up and I took the little stem out of the bottle. And to my surprise, when I went to blow, I got no bubbles. And I tried it again and I went to blow, I got no bubbles. And see, and in that moment, this was my defining moment. I couldn't blow bubbles. And this is what I had to realize. So in order to make this baby happy, in order to change this whole scene, this whole situation, I had to take a deep breath. And then I had to slowly breathe out so that the bubbles can flow through the little circle, through the tube. It wasn't until I realized I had to take this deep breath and slowly breathe that I then would get the enjoyment of life. Did you catch that? 
Take a deep breath. Slowly breathe. Slowly let it out. And then you get the enjoyments of life. So once I caught that, I blew these bubbles and the baby was happy. And what I didn't know is that in that moment, I resolved my own issues because I was then at a place of peace. You know, I just recently thought about an analogy that goes along with that when I think about a smoker and I'm not putting down a smoker, that's your choice, but I've never smoked. But I can imagine that the reason a person picks up a cigarette is because they're looking for that same type of peace. You know, you pick that cigarette up and I've watched people and they take that deep breath, that drag to pull it in and then they slowly breathe the smoke out. You know, not thinking about what it's doing to their bodies because they really just want to get that peace, that comfort, that relaxation. So they slowly blow it out. So I'm just urging you to take in consideration that there's a better way. Pick up some bubbles. Take a deep breath and slowly blow it out. And I think that you would get that same sensation. And then that's a joy that you can share with the whole world. So whether you're going through stress, anxiety, if you're angry, all of those things that make us breathe differently, I urge you to look at bubbles and experience that joy and experience that joy is something that you can share with everyone around you and it's not toxic and it's going to bring so much joy to your life and peace to your mind to where then you can breathe and you can walk in peace and harmony at a time when everything around you may still be falling down. So I urge you to look at bubbles differently and enjoy the flow. So that's the end of my story. So I just urge you to be blessed. Don't stress and blow bubbles. Thank you. Does that make you just want to run out and buy some bubbles right now and have them sitting on your desk so that after that call that frustrates the heck out of you, you have to take a minute to de-stress, to be able to blow the bubbles and to use the bubbles to really help you both look at how you're acting as well as help you bring yourself back to a calm center and since we've been talking all episode about making a little step, what an incredible little step that you can make that can make such a huge impact on the rest of your day as well as potentially the rest of your life. And in the end, that's what we want to do. We want to be the best version of ourselves so that we can share our message with the world as we live as thriving entrepreneurs. We'll be right back. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? 
over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out, and find out how you can be a best-selling author today. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. Thank you for listening to this episode of Thriving Entrepreneur. We appreciate the time you've put in. Um, and I hope that even though, um, you know, the second uh, segment was a little different than what we've usually done, it's so powerful that I really do hope that you took heart with that and that you also, in Sandra's segment, really gleaned from it, um, whether you have a nonprofit or not, some things that you need to do in order to be able to really, uh, you know, do well with your money as well as get the funding that you need for the things that you are meant to do in this world. It's uh, two very powerful and impactful ladies that I really appreciate having on the show. And I hope that you really were able to see in that how the one little thing, the one little stepping out into something often it's for ourselves, can make such a huge difference in our life. It's funny, I actually, as I'm recording this, I happen to have up the webpage, and last week's show with my good friend Nafisa, um, talking about your life being the thing that you need to shape in order to have the life that you want to live, about putting, um, you know, how you want to live up front so that you can then have a business that creates that life instead of killing yourself, whether that be in a career or in a business. And, um, you know, and then at the end of the day, hoping that you can then live the life you want after the 40 years of work or whatever. Again, those are small steps. And I just find all of these to be so powerful in how we live our lives. I want to share with you, and we talk to you about it all the time, but I want to share with you a couple of small steps that you can take right now to make a huge difference in your life. Foundationally, number one, if you're going to make an impact in this world, share your message with the world, or even just leave a legacy so that generations from now can know what grandmommy, what grandpappy did, you need to write your book. If you're a company, you have to have it. It is so foundational. It would be like building, trying to build a house in midair. Nothing, you know, just up here in the air. I'm going to hammer this board and it's going to stay there and float. I'm not talking about with any kind of flotation devices. I'm just talking about two boards hammered together that you hammered in the air and you're going to expect them to float up there. That's how foundational your book is. It creates the ground, the, the, the foundation for everything you're going to do in life and business. 
And as long as you're writing a book, why not make it a bestseller? I mean, come on, who doesn't want to be a best-selling author? We've got you on that. We've got Bestsellers Guild. You can just go to bestsellersguild.com or look up Bestsellers Guild on Facebook and ask to join. It's a free group. We would love to have you. We would love to encourage you. Wherever you are along the journey towards your success of writing your book, of making it a bestseller, of sharing your message with the world, as I've been talking about this whole entire episode, we have what may be really honestly one of the coolest things that Kathy and I ever brought into this world. It's a culmination of the over 20 plus years that both her and I have helped people build businesses, create, uh, you know, everything from websites to anything you can imagine doing and selling online. We put it all together into a very simple, very easy to follow book to course boot camp. The, the, the last step of this course is literally to help you get your first sale. So you literally walk away from this course with money. I mean, that's worth its weight in gold. I mean, most coaching programs that you would go to, they're going to give you some great ideas and some things that you then need to go take action on. This course is designed to help you have completely set up and automated, in Teachable, your course, and to even have made the first sale of that course before you're done with it. That's powerful and impactful. You can find more information about that by also going to bestsellersguild.com. You see, you have a message to share with the world. It's powerful and impactful, and we want to help you get it out there. Because Kathy and I know that you are uniquely brilliant. You were created for a purpose. The world needs you. I want you to know that Kathy and I are here to help you in all the things that you're doing to thrive, to succeed, to live, as the Bible would say, exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or even think. We just want to share what we've learned and the amazing people like the folks that are on this show with you so that you can be the best version of yourself, so that you can thrive, so that you thrive in your life and your business. Because in the end, being a thriving entrepreneur is just that. It's having that great life that really, truly, you feel like you're thriving in. We want that for you. We hope you'll join us in Bestsellers Guild. Till next time, have a great week. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today. If you want to get your question answered, send an email to questions at wehelpyouthrive.com. We look forward to you joining us again next time. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. 
Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out, and find out how you can be a best-selling author today.